for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. When you're hunting solo, that's easy. It's all on you, where you hunt, when you hunt, how you hunt. All the successes and failures are on you. But hunting in a group, y'all, well, that's a horse of a different color. On tonight's show, we talk about the dynamics, decisions, and thought processes of hunting elk as a group. Tips that can help you and your group not only be more successful, but more importantly, to have way more enjoyment and fulfillment in the process. Those topics, along with our Elk Bro shout outs in today's EBD segment. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your hosts, Gilbert Ornelas and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? And they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out every week with us, Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you live from Spring, Texas, your host of the show tonight, and from Katy, Texas, the one and only Cat Whisperer, the Venezuelan mafia leader of that cult. Uh, we call him the Kitty Whisperer, but it, none other than Luis Gonzalez. And as always, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gilly in the house from New Mexico. What's up, boys? Tell everybody hello, Luis. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How's it going, guys? Yeah, man. It's uh, ups and downs, ups and downs, bro. But we're we're here together. So and whenever we do that, it's an up. Uh, as always, Chav, this one's for you. Um, brother had a slight little dip today. Uh, he's back in the hospital, but um, with an infection, it's just part of the problem of this chemo process man but like we said we're looking at the finish line he has one more chemo after this um i'm confident that uh, he gets through that we're going to be able to just focus on getting those legs running how about uh what's happening with tony bro man glad you asked joe i tell you uh tony was kind of going downhill and they uh sent me a text said man you need to get here to the hospital here in alexandria louisiana uh, we took off. Uh, I was there Monday afternoon. You know, we uh, 
we brought some people in to pray for him and put a little bit of that oil on him, Joe. And I'm going to tell you one thing. I walked in there. I prayed when I got out of the truck. Please, Lord, let me have the strength to carry this out because I can't hardly see one of my partners suffering, right? Right. And I walked in there, and he's sitting up in a chair looking at everybody. <laughs> I'm oh, like, holy God. smokes. I wow. looked at Charlene, and I said, uh, Miss Charlene, I said, what's going on? When I walked in there, I said, man, I heard you giving everybody a hard time, Tony. I said, uh, they sent me up here to check on you and everything. I said, how are you doing now? He said, well, I'm a hell of a lot better now that you're here, son. That's so awesome, uh, he uh, he's feeling better, doing better. Uh, they had 13 different parish uh you know, preachers in there praying over him. And um, Charlene, his wife, he, she said, I guarantee you, the, go, the devil had to run out of here. We had so much going on. <laughs> that he couldn't uh, have fit awesome. another person in this room praying over him. So, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you guys know how I feel out there about the power of prayer. And, you know, it's happening every day for Chav and for Brother Tony. And we just want to thank all our listeners for all the prayers and uh, everything. It's being heard. There's power in prayer. And, we appreciate it all. And Tony, we, uh, we're going to continue to pray for you, brother. Yeah. What, and what you guys have done for Chav and what, uh, all of our listeners out there, what you guys have done, man, uh, yeah, so, so appreciated. Um, so there, you know, uh, buddy, I hope you're listening. I, I know it's a tough, uh, uh, tough evening for you tonight, but tomorrow's the sun's coming back up and we're going to get back to work. All right. No doubt about it. Joe, Amen. give us an update on what's coming up, buddy. Oh man. I tell you, I am so <clears throat> doggone pumped about this. Um, this, so by the time this comes out, y'all, you need to go to elkbros.com, go to the top of it and click on that elk bro store up there because, the swag is happening. We got the t-shirts in. Uh, I think the hats are close right behind that, but the shirts are going to be in. A lot of people have been asking about that, wanting to order. Um, get on there, do some ordering, and go out there and let people know that you are one of the grinders. You are the people representing, and we are proud. I tell you what, we are honored for any of you guys and gals out there to be wearing our uh, logo on you and letting people know that that you're proud to to be a grinder and that you're an elk hunter and even more you're somebody that overcomes somebody that reaches down deep and somebody that gets it done so that's what we want uh, our elk bros emblem to represent joe that grinders that just led me into another shirt idea bro. oh really huh? <laughs> <laughs> i love it boy grinders man i'm gonna put it somewhere joe yeah, all i right. love the designs joe i can't wait to you know no doubt be able to actually get out there and and get some for myself and i got a ton of friends that are like man when is it coming out so yeah. we yeah. can't wait very excited uh, it's really exciting it really is and uh uh, it's well, this guys, has all been a dream. What, no what's doubt. that, bro? You got to know this from everybody. A year ago, Joe and I started doing this, just having fun and this, that, and other. And it's really kind of morphed into some other things that, you know, we're going to follow this thing as far as it'll take us. So, yes, sir. Uh, you guys drive it. We thank y'all so much for driving it. All the rates, reviews, questions, everybody's tuning in. It's been fantastic. And we're overwhelmed and humbled by the amount of 
uh, positive outpour that we've had from the general public and our fan, friends and family and the elk hunting community, uh, lots of different organizations. So lots of things are coming that are, that are going to make this thing even better for everybody involved. So we're just blessed to be here, but want to thank everybody out there for sure. I, and I want everybody out there to know that um, when you listen to us, we are you. We are (laughs) fixing to wear the t-shirt, baby. Fixing to wear the shirt about it. Right. Absolutely, man. And we're, we are nothing special other than we're guys like a lot of guys and gals out there that are passionate about hunting. This has been, this has been my gig. This has been my wheelhouse for going on 40 years. do I look it, man? Uh, Luis, Not you man. shut up over yeah, there, man. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell, like, Don't yeah. ask, you won't know. Uh, just to, <laughs> I didn't want to say, but, you know, well, I was probably I, just born by the time you started hunting. I started hunting at five years old, man. Been at it for Oh, oh no, then, then I don't mean that. <laughs> What's the old song? Don't ask me no questions and I'll tell you no lies. There you go, man. <laughs> no doubt. All righty. Joe, you know what time it is, brother? Oh, it's the time for our Elk Bowls shout-outs. If you're new to our show, these are just shout-outs to just a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. And I'm going to yell to those reviews. You know, those reviews. It's so cool to see reviews coming in, man. Matt B. Matt, dude. You got to give me a last name. You got to give me a place, man. Your your town's like missing out. They're all pissed. They're like, Matt, you could have got us some pub, man. So <laughs> you guys leaving those reviews. Let's give us a name, full name, unless you're under witness protection. Uh, Gilbert, we're not bringing you up your real name right now. All right. Or so, my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Oh, and the other review was from Derek Altus from Oklahoma. Derek has it going on. Not only did Derek give us a great review, but he gave us, dude, he gave us a plug for all things Elk Bros. And he was like, go to the site, go to the YouTube channel. So, uh, Derek, the tip of the Elk Bros hat to you, bro. man. All right. Um, so, starting with our shout outs. Up first, our top city this week, once known as the Hay Shipping Capital of the World. This town has grown from just under 6,000 people in 1980. Check this out. (laughs) 6,000 people in 1980 to roughly 250,000 people in 2017. It is the second safest city in the U.S. with a population over 100,000. In 2005, and it's funny that you got to, and it's horrible we have to measure like this, but in that city of 200,000 people in 2005, one murder. Oh, wow. In in the entire year. Man, um, uh, (laughs) it's a shame we got to measure it that way, but hey, it is what it is, is, right? Uh, A project to note for this town is their Riparian Preserve a unique water treatment reclamation project that consists of treated wastewater that's been put back into the ecological system through a series of basins that attract a great deal of wildlife to this now unique lush environment that you find only in Gilbert, Arizona. I love the name of the town. Uh (laughs) See that coming. (laughs) Uh, Next up, Joe. Witness protection too, bro. (laughs) Next up, Joe. If you're a techie that loves the outdoors, this city is the place for you. Known as Gig City. Is that Julia? 
Julia City? (laughs) (laughs) Known as Gig City. Imagine high-speed fiber internet for everyone rated by PC Magazine as the fastest in the country. Add to that a city that is home to Union Reservoir, which offers 736 acres of boating, kayaking, paddleboarding, fishing, and camping. And folks here are only 40 miles from the Rocky Mountain National Park in Longmont, Colorado. Been in that reservoir. No kidding. Yes, sir. Wow. Yep. Yep. It must be beautiful if it's close it, to it. It is beautiful. You got the you got National. the hills on both sides of it, the mountains on both sides of it, going through there, and uh, water's a little chilly. <laughs> but... it is. is it glacier? Is it a glacier <laughs> reservoir? Or, or uh, well, man-made? you know, it's that it's that mountain river water. So runoff. Yeah, you know, it gets sure. there, but it's gorgeous, Luis. You would not last five seconds in that water. Nope, not <laughs> not intending to it, not wanting to it. <laughs> You're up. All right, so um, Joe's got a pretty dark sense of humor when he uh, <laughs> uh, put the name of this city here for me to pronounce, so I'll give it a whirl. Uh, a suburb of Cedar Rapids. It is said that our next city, named after the Founders Trailer Company, is a wonderful place to raise a family. The Cedar Valley Nature Trail here is 67 miles of beautiful terrain to hike, bike, or run. Shoot, if you decide to forest gump it, I guess you can run from here all the way to Evansdale, some 51 miles away. This city is called, here we go, <laughs> Iowatha, Iowa. Whoa, Perfect, buddy. It, man. Freaking hey, man. center punch. I'm not going to say I looked it up in YouTube. You can't several say times CD. Before. You can't say CD. But, you <laughs> but I can say Hiawatha. Hiawatha. No doubt. And that's, you know, I, you know the story behind Hiawatha, huh, uh, Luis? Oh, sir, I don't. But it's, uh, Look it up. It's an up Indian. Something. You must not have Googled much. Just the pronunciation, brother. Pronunciation Perfect. is what Perfect. I focused on. Great job, man. Yeah, that was next, guys, Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, you're good, man. Go ahead. Up, up next, nestled between the majestic blue and Wallawa mountain ranges, an ancestral home of the Nez Pierce people, of home to Eastern Oregon University. Go, go Mountaineers. Mountaineers. Yeah. Okay, so time out. What <laughs> do we mean by Go Mountaineers? Because Go Mountaineers is the, the chant for West Virginia University. Oh, no, dude. No, no, not if you're from Oregon. It's the chant right. for Eastern Oregon U. Okay, Come on, okay. I, I just want to make that clear because, you know, I went to WVU and they just no school say, let's bashing go, tonight, let's go Mountaineers. So I just, uh, hey, we're not hey, mixing universities You know, West here. Virginia University used to have a driver's ed program. You know that? And no. then they had to cancel it because the mule died. <laughs> so what we're talking about here is wow, is, man! <laughs> I don't understand why I get invited back here to the show, man. It's just, oh boy, hey, this, Gilbert, that's a Nez purse. <laughs> Nez purse, people, and home to Eastern Oregon University. Go Mountaineers! Yes, sir. Vibrant outdoor mecca that is one of the best kept secrets of this incredible state. If you go there, you'll have to take in Hell's Canyon, the deepest river gorge in North America, 2,000 feet deeper than the own Grand Canyon. It is La Grande, Oregon. 
<laughs> yeah, La Grande. <laughs> or La Grande. Yeah. 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 I'm not yeah. much on French, Joe. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. good with Spanish, Espanol yeah, sometimes, but just <laughs> the French escaped I, me. I like, like La the Grande. Nacho Grande. Yeah, it's like yeah. the Nacho Grande, right? They meant yeah. La Grande. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, the Spanish are conquistadors. Are I, I think, man, I think it's got to be Spanish because otherwise, it no, would, no, it's the, French, the, French, bro. Because the the L A is not should be L E French. Huh? Le Grand. It should be L E Le Grand. Uh, uh, but it Le is, Grand. it is, it's French. So, uh, hmm. but we're missing the huge thing here, man. Did y'all? Did you hear that? Two thousand feet deep deeper crazy, than the Grand dude. Canyon. Yes, it's unbelievable. Dang near yeah. half a mile. Yeah, I mean. Have you ever heard of Hell's Canyon? Yeah, I've heard of Hell's Canyon. Never been there. Yeah. Never well, been there. I've been to Grand Canyon. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. I mean, you kind of go stand on the side, kind of go, okay, there it is, and I'm done. But I've never you know, been to Eastern Oregon. I've been to Western, but yeah. I've never been to Eastern Oregon. Oh, way cool. All right, last but not least, for our last city. Okay, guys, in one of our earlier podcasts, we had told our grinders out there that if they lived in a small town like I do here in Cimarron. It, it's hard for us to get recognized because anytime we do a listen, it gets thrown in with wherever, you know, all the switching goes to here. So, yeah. um, so they might not ever top the list, even if they listened every day for whatever, so many times there. So uh, I asked them to just send us an email with some info. And this goes for all y'all out there. Listen, if you're in a small town and you want a shout out, just send us an email with some info on your town, what you love about it, and we'd love to give you a shout out. And that's exactly what one of our grinders, Matt Flowers, did when he sent us an email the other day. And his email says, I have grown up my whole life here. My little town only has one gas station, a fire station, and a small church. You can drive straight through and never even know it. Does it sound familiar, Gilbert? Does that sound yeah. like a place you've been over here? <laughs> yeah, there in my hometown, Shiro, Texas. Oh, really, huh? Yeah, you blink, you miss it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Stick your head out the window, you're out of town? Yes, right? sir. Absolutely. <laughs> so, in 2014, March 22nd, we had one of the biggest landslides in the country. Crazy thing is, me and the family went for a drive that day and missed the slide by 15 minutes which took out the entire highway. After the slide, President Obama flew out here to be with families of lost ones. Really, this community is a lot like hunting brothers and sisters. We all have Very each nice. other's back. I love it here. It's beautiful and the best thing, I'm not far away from the L. I know you guys do your top cities here in the charts, but my little town would love a shout out. So Matt Flowers, a big shout out to Oso, Washington. Oso Washington. Oso. Bear Washington. Bear. Look. Yes, sir. Bear Washington. Hey, look, Oso Washington, thanks a lot, guys, for tuning in. Uh, Matt Flowers, we, we appreciate uh, you guys listening. Can't wait to, you know, keep calling Oso Washington part of our group, brother. Sounds you like an you. incredible community, and that's what it's all about. It's all about the people. No doubt, man. We go through life working so hard and putting blinders on, but at the end of the day, it's all about the people. You know, sure. when you've been raised in a place, especially a small place, a lot of times young people, when we are young, we, we don't see the value mm. in being raised in a place like that. We always think no about how we want to get out, go someplace else, do other things. <laughs> yeah, and for somebody to be raised there and, and be going, 
I love my town. I love my community. Mm -hmm. That's, that's way cool. Huge. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, guys, we get so many questions in the area of hunting buddies and hunting groups. Yeah. People look at us hearing things about our group and then, you know, I know they want to know how we make it work, how we put so many guys in the woods and still have so much success. Uh, I was, I mean, I was really that kind of guy too. When I would watch Waddy and all these guys on these hunting shows get in the woods and they got three or four cameramen and plus a caller, plus a shooter. I'm like, golly, how they, how they manage all of that, you know? So, uh, Joe, I mean, you got some fantastic ideas about this because I'm telling you, not long ago, you were one of them's like, man, having that many people in the woods is tough, right? But yeah. then after the success we've had, it's kind of changed your thinking. Yeah, you know, this whole thing went into groups. And yeah. there's, a, there's a lot, of, we have a ton of people out there that are hunting in groups and or people that are putting together groups. I, I get emails from guys that are like, well, Joe, man, I, I, how do I find people to be able to hunt with, you know? Or, you know, well, I'm with these certain group of guys that invited me and things are happening like this. Or, you know, uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what it is that we do that makes so successful uh, in what we do and what it is that you can do. We're going to give you some tips and some things to think about because I can tell you this, our, our group, our group has been an evolving thing. We've had oh, people yes. come in the door, out the door, uh, you know, the most steady, I mean, Some guys won't back in too, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the backbone of Elk Bros have, have been myself, Chab, and Gilbert. That's where, yes, you know, it, it started. And then um, we started moving on into other things. And God dang, man, it's just, I, I don't know where freaking mafia came from, but they're like taking over or something, you know? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Joe, I can speak a little to that. I met a guy that had that kind of passion for hunting uh, that I had, you know, uh -huh. not only are he and I tremendously close friends, you know, we work in the same industry together. So right. we kind of met through that. Right. But aside from all of that, Luis and I die hard hunters, right. Yeah. And bow hunters and just tons of respect for one another. Uh, and man, he was like, I never hunted elk, you know, and he, it was on me for a couple of years. Hey man, I want, I want to do something like that. And I'm thinking, right. mm -hmm. yeah, most people do until they get up there and they're dying for three or four days. <laughs> and they're like, mm, man, this is not what I bargained for. Right. Well, <laughs> when I was a hundred percent real with him about everything, him and Steve Tucker, because I think Tucker came on your first trip, right? Correct. Louis? Yes. Yes. He yeah. was, uh, and yeah, and look, was... Tucker, Tucker had a ball and he's, you know, wanted to, for one thing or another, he could come back for a couple of years. And I mean, he's beating, pounding the drum, wanting to come back because he loves it too. I mean, he's a passionate oh, sure. guy about whatever he does. I mean, right. talking about an iron, I mean, what we did, Joe, inspired him to become an Iron Man, right? right. Uh, so, I, you know, hats off to the big Canadian fella, man. The guy's oh, yeah. in tremendous shape to walk me through the mountain, right? Uh, <laughs> swim me through the mountain. So, got lots of love for the big Canadian and, and our group, but man, it just took a me figuring out guys that could, could ride the river with me. And I knew what kind of guy you were, Joe. And I've said this a million times. I don't do buttholes and I don't hang out with guys like that. My circle's pretty tight. 
Um, and if you're in my circle, it's because I love you. Um, it's because I have respect for you and I respect the way you live your life and stuff like that. So that's how I met these guys, you know, uh, and I would say to guys out there, man, look for those diehard guys that are like you, whether it's in your industry or in your family or what? your brother-in-law or your, your father-in-law or whatever. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell them too, Gilbert, is that, you know, if you're the type of person that loves to hunt and you've got that passion and you're getting it done, uh, and, and you just reek of that, man. I mean, if it's something that really means that much to you, what's going to happen is, is that has an attraction to other people. 100%. And I, I've always said success breeds success. And when, when you demonstrate that, people are going to be, uh, they're going to be attracted by that. They're going to want to come into that realm. They're going to want to share that. And, you know, that's what I'm going to tell you is a lot of you guys, like I, I have one guy, uh, um, John out of Santa Fe. John is one of the uh, most passionate elk hunters you're ever going to meet, almost to the point where it's hard for him to hunt with people that don't share that kind of passion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really hard for him. But what I would tell any of you guys that are, are like that or in search of or trying to put together that group of people is that be who you are. Let people know who you are. Um, and, but at the same time, be willing when people come in to not to not expect them to be the full package because they're looking to learn. They're looking to gain experience. They're looking to get within your realm and you have the opportunity to teach guys to bring them in and to, you know, man, do it the right way. When, when I, you know, Gilbert and, and Chav and I already had a connection, but that was three of us when, when Luis and Tucker come into camp and, you know, these are guys that don't know me from Adam. All they know is, you know, the stories Gilbert's been lying to them about, uh, you know, <laughs> telling them about me. And, embellishing, uh, Joe. We like to say embellishing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when, when you guys come in, they already have kind of this perception of an expectation by the picture you've painted because of your involvement with me. And so you kind of spread that disease a little bit, right? Um, and, a lot. <laughs> and so they come in and even though these guys, I mean, where was Luis's elk hunting level at when you came into camp, Luis? Zero. Total zero, man. Total zero. Um, now, Tucker had had some experiences before there, but yeah, they had never – yeah, had never been a part of my camp, exactly of our camp. And what happens is, is by sharing and by um, bringing people around you and helping them to be better and by teaching them the modes and teaching them uh, the mm -hmm. skill sets, what happens is, is instead of it being my camp, now it starts to become our camp because we have a common theme flowing through there. So um, sometimes it's, you know, for a lot of you guys, your group happens because relationship, like Gilbert says, we may all work together in the industry. We might all be uh, 
vets that uh, have pulled together. You know, we might all be cousins from back home on the ranch. I mean, there's reasons, a lot of different reasons that guys and girls get together to be able to, to, to do this. It could be husband-wife couples that end up being six because they enjoy hunting together. That's just tremendous. But what, what I want to tell you is for this to be something that works for you, what you do, remember, this is my wheelhouse. This is my perspective. This is um, my profile. We talked about that before, right? Yeah, so, and a whole podcast on our Yeah, profile. this is my profile. Everybody out there is not going to be like me. So what you, or, or somebody else or somebody else. The first thing that you guys got to do, a huge part of your success as a group, is know what the goals of the group are and understanding your group's personality. That's right. Managing expectations, I call yeah. it, 100%. Yes, totally. Now, you know, when you came into camp, Luis, what were your expectations? Do you remember? Yeah, so so glad that you asked that question because it's – that's one of the things that I think it's so important, especially when you're starting out like I was then, right? Um, I, and Gilbert can tell you, you know, I, I love information. I want to know as much as I can, I can know prior to a trip, you know, I want to understand, okay, where are we hunting? How are we hunting? What's the style? How are we doing this? I mean, I want to be mentally prepared to what I'm going into, but this type of hunt is not the type of hunt that it doesn't matter how much you information you gather up front. You don't really realize the challenges and the incredible experience it is until you're actually out there doing it. Right. Um, but the one advice I would have for everybody, and I think it kind of, that's the way it was for me. Um, if you, you want to focus on, the experience, the opportunity to hunt, and not so much in the killing and the harvesting of one animal. Now, we all know we're passionate hunters. We do, we know that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to harvest an animal. We want to, you know, have, have the experience of, of being able to harvest the animal. Um, and yes, that's, the cherry on the top of the cake, you know, and it's heartbreaking when you have what happened to me that first year, you have that the opportunity and, you know, you feel like you have a good shot and, you know, you go through your first roller coaster and you realize, you know, you end up with your heart broken, you can't find your animal and, and it's, it can be devastating, but that makes you grow even more as a hunter. And I'll be honest with you. I think, if that wouldn't have been my first experience, yo, I probably would have been like, okay, look, I went out there, I harvested an elk. It was a great time, you know, boxes checked, it's all good to go. Whereas after that experience for me, it turned into, man, fire after all that side. effort, mm -hmm. after everything we did and the experience was incredible, yes, but holy crap, you know, you couldn't get it done you know and so it's that carrot in front of you of I have to be challenged almost in everything that I do uh, for me to really get for I say get fulfillment in it 
it's almost my relaxation to be challenged, right? It's the challenge of the, my mind, body, spirit, everything else, getting into shape and, and getting out there and doing what I really love to do. And that's just spend time in nature, bow hunt with some fantastic people uh, and chase one of the most majestic creatures that God ever made on this face of this earth. So um, that's kind of how I felt about it. And Luis explained it so eloquently about, man, it's really about the journey. It's all about the hunt, right? And uh, I think if guys take that into consideration when they're joining a group, especially if they're not the ones putting the group together, if they're coming into a group, Joe, if uh, they go at it like that, I think their experience will be a lot more enjoyable. See, and that's what I'm telling all you guys out there that are listening is a big part of your success starts with knowing the goals of your group. And you just heard two of our guys, and you can probably tell why I like to hang out with them. And, you know, it's funny. You start to talk to me and my mentality, because there is nobody that loves being in the woods more than this boy. Uh, I, it's where I am the most comfortable. It's where I'm most relaxed. It's what I understand more than anything in the world. However, for me, my hunt is not successful. I, so I don't go in, believe it or not, y'all, I do not go in there um, saying I might or might not get an elk. I go in with the expectation of taking an elk. Uh, that. That's just ingrained in me. I feel like every time I step in the woods, I have the opportunity and can close the deal and harvest an elk. That's just how I feel. So for me, I do not feel successful in that sense. Now, <laughs> that's where people, they get confused a lot. People, they're, they're like, well, but it shouldn't be just all about the kill. No, heck no. You, look, there is not one goal in a hunt. It is a multitude of goals in a hunt. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's a goal yeah. of being able to conquer conditions. It's a goal of being able to conquer some of your, your inner weaknesses. It's a goal to be able to get through the elements. It's a goal to be able to call an animal in. It's a goal to get a response. It's a goal to be able to go that mileage during the day. It's a goal sometimes just to get up in the morning. Oh, what? Oh, absolutely, no. especially when you've been packing elk out all yeah. night. That's, yeah. But, but that ultimate goal, that ultimate goal is to harvest that animal. No it doubt. is for me to take a, a, a bull elk is what I prefer to hunt because that's and, just in me, you know. And I think that's been with you as progression of time. You've been hunting elk for almost 35, 40 years, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, I think, you know, I'm getting more and more like that, right? right. For me, it is about harvesting. I want to eat. I I mean, my family loves it. I love it. If there ain't elk in that freezer, I'm kind of in a bad mood. Right. So at the end of the day, I get, I'm getting there. Right. But it also for me is enjoying so much to be with the guys I love. Oh man. So (laughs) I would would take nothing for having Chav stand over my arrow and you behind me last year. No, no. And when I let that arrow go, I mean, I take nothing for, I I would take nothing for that. Right. No amount of money in the world you could give me. My bucket list list, as you know, has been to hunt a moose up in, in, up in the North. I've never, other than going for pig down in Texas, I've never hunted out of New Mexico. That has been my bucket list, my dream hunt. The only problem is 
Joe Gillia is not going to go do that by myself because I am yeah. about sharing memories, sharing time exactly. with yeah, the people too. that are important to me. And yeah, so uh, guys, it's important for you to know the goals of your group because there's different kinds, man. There's the diehards, man. There's those guys that uh, they're going to friggin' go 20 miles back in the mountains. They're going to hump it back and forth. They're going to see how hard they can sweat it. You got your weekend warriors. Those guys that just want to get out there and have a good time and hunt hard and, and get back home. You know, there's guys that are just, man, this is my vacation. Look, I will hunt when I want to hunt. I'm going to sleep when I want to sleep. Hmm, I'm going to eat when I want to eat. It's their vacation. It's their, it's their decompression. And I'm not here to say that that is wrong. That's what they want to do that's the goal of their group you know you yeah. got party hardy groups man i mean i've seen guys put on a three-day drunk and never even get out in the woods you know <laughs> no doubt so, me too uh, one you got those guys man that are they're that kill it and crush it guys man they're just a wrecking mm. crew man they're out there they just want to kill something you know and right. that's what that's all it's about for them that is not my group man i mean yeah. that that's not in my wheelhouse i do do i, I i'm not able to tell people what to get out of what they do Sure. And who am I to judge? You know, and we've talked about this, you know, all of us as hunters, we're not here to be judging who's doing what and how they're doing it in, in the hunting world. You know, so, uh, you know, for us guys, we, each of us, we're looking for a team. We're looking for a brotherhood. We want people to have a passion for the hunt. Um, all of us, that's why we're here. You know, Luis and Gilbert, man, we love the outdoors. We love to hunt. And I, I think for me, what it really strikes home is I want to be around those people that honor the hunt, that honor the group, honor the animal. And, man, I tell you what, I would not trade the memories we've had for nothing. Me either. I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I, I got news for y'all. Y'all listening, if you cannot feel the passion that we have for what we're doing if hmm. you for anybody that is not a hunter to listen to this and think that oh these boys are just about chasing and killing and blah 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 no man I, we're, if, we're I, failing them then oh man you <laughs> yeah. know as focused as i am because because i am i'm kind of like that that cougar on a critter out there sometimes mm -hmm. I, I i get that eye yeah we get that blinders on you i get glazed over right <laughs> yeah. but man I, all you gotta do is ask Luis, ask gilbert ask manana when we're going through and i'm like man you see that look at that view you oh, know yeah. check out this tree over here did you smell i mean taking it all in as part of the journey as part of the experience so um I would tell you guys the first thing that you need to do in order to be successful, because it is important. Not everybody's going to have your exact mindset, but you can grow together as a group in that yeah. way. And I think that makes it even more special because you're looking at right now, three different boys from three different places of three different nationalities of three different beliefs and a lot of different things. But when we are together, we're dynamite man and and it works it really does no doubt talk about a wrecking crew i'm gonna fight hell with a water pistol with any one of these boys i promise you you know it's funny that uh the, the group of guys i hunt with here pigs and stuff like that that's that's something that comes up often as as a joke and i think i think that's an evolving thing right and i, and I think it changes and i can tell you um 
just in my own example is that I feel my mindset since last year's hunt and this upcoming hunt is going to be completely different oh, because sure. because I have finally I feel that I finally have checked the box that I so wanted to check for so many years. <laughs> and then now it's just, it gives me such a, a peace inside of look now point forward is like anything else is just complete icing on the cake. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be out could, there for the experience and I think it evolves. I mean, if, it just, if you could box that they, up, Luis, if you could box yeah. that and and that's why I told like Gilbert, you know, after you get your first elk, it gets easier. Um, a lot of people don't understand that because they're like, Oh, does killing it easier? No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with the calmness. It has to do with your, your calmness inside your ability to be in that situation and be comfortable with that situation and know, and close that you, the deal. you know, that you can close the deal. Right. And for you, you got a monkey off your back and you know, I, I really like to be in a situation and sometimes, you know, Gilbert, you talked about this one time about being patient sometimes. And sometimes we create the stress of the situation out there yes. when we're hunting yeah. instead of relaxing and letting it happen. You laying you know? in it. That's what I call laying in it. I talk to my players every week about laying in that pressure, right? I mean, right. And truthfully, we talk about this ad nauseum. Pressure is what you feel when you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. So let me, let me explain that again. And those of you write it down and put it up in front of you. Pressure is what you feel when you don't know what you're doing. So when you start having a little bit of success, you, that pressure you feel won't be that kind of pressure that, de that, that debilitates you, that locks you up, that doesn't let you use your senses, sight, hearing, smell. Because I'm going to tell you, first bull elk ever ran in front of me, everything I learned about bow hunting ran out the crack of my butt. Right? right in five seconds so it's all about laying in that pressure and just almost relishing in it you know and when i can get my players to do that and want that they have a little bit of success they've gone through a lot of failure right and they and then once they get that little taste of success it's all downhill because they know how to operate within that pressure realm right i, I want to steer us back a little bit because when we're talking about mindset a lot of that mindset that we were just talking about is kind of like that in individual stuff and what i want to talk about and give these guys help with is the mindset when hunting in a group you and bet. what i mean by that is is now that calming that calming that you have to do for yourself as an individual is something that you got to do for people around you. Yep. It's ways of helping, and they can actually feed off your confidence. When I have somebody with me, when I have Gilbert in front of me, and my hand's on top of his shoulder, and I'm like in his ear going, you ready for this, bud? You ready? You got this, you know? It changes things, man. So that group dynamic, being a team, uh, is is so critical uh, i can tell you what and, and be in that team communicate 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 if you're going to be successful as a hunting group you guys have to talk out the things before again we always talk about looking for possible failure points and learning to overcome them well as an individual, that's when you screw up. Now, when you have other people around you, it adds complexity to the situation. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's real important for you guys 
to talk about situations, to communicate if this happens, how are we going to handle this? You know, being out in the woods and talking about, all right, you know, if this is the situation where we're at, here's how we're going to do this. Talking about hand signals, talking about your strategies. In other words, if I tell you flying V, I want you to know exactly what I, what I want out of you. If I tell you inverted L, I want you to know exactly what I'm saying, okay? You know, talk about what the needs are of the group, what the expectations are. See, I learned one time because I'm out there and I've got Luis with me for the first time and I've got Tucker with me and it's dark and we're and we're coming up and I give a bugle and as soon as I call I hear you know zippers being undone things being you know drinking and things being eaten Those and things I'm like beat somebody's ass with oh group, my god man my biggest pet peeve ever but whose fault was it mm -hmm. that that was occurring wasn't theirs because we didn't have that conversation, man. All I did was I turned around and freaking glared at him at the time. Like, oh, I don't think we're supposed to be doing that. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so true. I was like, yeah, that was pretty clear. <laughs> but so. that, that's what I'm talking about. That's, yeah. you know, as, in your mindset, you really got to have a team mentality. You got to learn to communicate because I tell you what, Gilbert can tell you. Uh, Luis can tell you because he works on a team and doing what he does with, in the oil industry, man. If you guys do not work together, crap don't happen. What happens is, is we have things that get slowed down, move backwards. We got to learn from it before we move forward. Take care of that before you get there. The other thing I'd tell you is in a group mentality is, I, man, I want my team. Now, this again is my profile, but I want my team. I want my group to be grinders. And I am going to get that from them, not by telling them, what the heck, man? What the hell's wrong with you? You got to get with it. I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it by walking the talk. I can tell you what, you ask any of these boys who's first up in the morning. No, no. Yeah, Joe's up. No doubt. Right. We're, you know, a lot of times we're stirring and everything, but Joe's up. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. You're wrong. It's Manano. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes Joe's already been out. So at the end of the day, y'all just have no clue because y'all been sawing logs back there in your tents. And, and, and then I can, tell you, I, you know, I can tell you after about day three, day four, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, boys, man, this is y'all's hunt. I, you know, let's, let's, get with the program right mm -hmm. but you got to do it by example and yeah. you know if you display that confidence that that's going to happen and i tell you another thing any team you can tell a team that has a hungry mentality you can tell a team that has a, a lackadaisical mentality you can tell a team that is uh that feeling that pressure and looks scared right out there so you know what you do you got to start that inner strength. Somebody's got to be that beaten heart, and you got to let that blood flow to everybody else, man. And just keep preaching, keep teaching, and you know, create them uh, hunting disciples. I guess is one one way to describe it, man. Get those people yeah. out there to do that thing, okay? That's so true, because as Gilbert mentioned earlier today, you know, one of the biggest challenges could be just simply getting up in the morning after a, a really tough uh, previous day especially well, for us miles. 
Yeah. yeah. And when it's super cold, right. And, and you're beat up and, and you're like, holy crap, it's, you know, three thirty, and we're getting up and we're, you know, it's just getting off of the warmth of the bed and then trying to dress up and, and just getting out there and getting on that four wheeler and here we go another day. Right. I mean, that process up until you're on that four wheeler ready to go, it could be brutal. But again, when you're talking about the beacon, when you're talking about, you know, spreading that motivation uh in the team and the group man we look up to you guys right i mean i look up to to you and and beto and 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 chav and just watching you guys just get up every morning grinding it every morning ready to go with a ton of energy we're like holy crap man i mean you know we we got to keep up the pace you know we we have to be part of this team and that just fills us up and gives us that energy that we need to keep on going and keep grinding so um, no, I, I think uh, having that mentality as a team definitely makes a difference and make, it could make it a, a team extremely, extremely successful. I say it all the time, man, with, you know, my teams that I coach, everybody's got to be rowing the boat in the same direction. You know, if, you, if guys got other goals in mind that are not of same ilk, same like-mindedness, it's going to get rough because the boat, somebody's going to stop rowing the boat in the same direction and the boat's going to go in circles. So it's just really important for guys to find that same type of mentality, how they're going to, how they're going to go about things. And then, man, Joe, you know, you got to communicate, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you got to make decisions, but you really got to communicate. Point I want to make as well is that, look, every group has to have its quarterback or quarterbacks right? Um, it's just, it just helps when you have those type of people that are kind of leading and, and doing those things that have got certain skill sets. I, I get that. Um, no doubt. Everybody's got to have the Joe. I mean, Joe's a quarterback of our group, right? And uh, we all feed off of that just like they do, you know, Tom Brady or, you know, Roger Staubach. I mean, you name the quarterbacks out there. Everybody feeds off of that quarterback. And there can be multiples in a group. It doesn't have sure. to be one person. You know, w- once you identify that bird dog, man, let that bird dog run, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just kind of, um, they'll, they'll, they'll point it. They'll do yeah. it. And you got to follow yeah. along. But what I was going to tell you guys that are part of a group like that, that has that type of leader and that person that you're kind of like, well, what do you think? What are we going to do today? What are we going to do? Is, is I'm going to tell you this and listen close, is y'all really need to share the pressure. You don't understand sometimes how hard it is to be that quarterback and everybody's looking to you for their hunt to be successful. Mm. And, you know, it's like, where should I go? What should I do? Well, there's in the growing part of your group, there's going to be a lot of that because they might know the area better. They might know the animal better. They might need more. But as that group starts to grow, as it matures, you should be growing. You should be maturing. You should be helping to share in some of that pressure and helping with the decisions and taking it off of that person saying, man, well, if you're going to go there, I can, you know, we can go try it over on this side. Then it starts to to be more of the group happening like that. You, you know, and what I'm telling you guys is you got to own your hunt. Don't be an anchor. Be a motor, you know. Uh, if 
I, I don't mind shaking boys out, especially I get greenhorns out there. I don't mind shaking them out in the morning. That don't bother me. If I'm guiding people, I got to shake them out. They expect yeah. me to be their alarm clock, right? Sure. But, uh, you know, there's a point where somebody's going, well, man, this is your hunt. You just waited 350 days to have these 10. And, yeah, yeah it's tough to get up each morning but it's only for 10. And after that 10 is over, you're going to be going, Oh man, another 350. So, <laughs> you know, you, you got to make the best of it. When you, when you have a hard time that, that morning, you go, you know what? This is going to be over before I know it. Yep. Suck it the friggin' up and get after it, man, yeah. because I can do this and I'm going to miss it when it's over, man, I, I don't want to miss out on any of that. So yeah. Joe, but what you said about, you know, share that responsibility right. and, and, you know, evolve with the group and grow with the group, man, that just hit home with me in a way that it's like, we don't realize that pressure that, you know, you may feel uh, just kind of knowing that, almost everybody's hunt kind of depends on you and, and that pressure that you may feel as that quarterback leading the team. Right. And then also understanding that, look, if that team is not growing and evolving, then it's probably not functioning as the team should function. Um, so it, it, it's everybody kind of putting their part and everybody kind of growing together to, you know, becoming a much a successful team. I, I thought that was genius the way you share that. And I think I, people listening out there, I mean, that's gold right there. And I think that you should be aware of that happening in your teams and try to try to make sure that that takes place, man. That's amazing. Look, that's pretty cool. I'm a coach. Yeah. I, I might not be a quarterback. I can develop quarterbacks, right? I'm a coach. And I truly believe as a group, you're only as strong as your weakest link. 100%. You know, that's why Gilbert Ornelas can call elk the way he does, because every opportunity we get, we're teaching him and I put him in a situation to let him do that. And it builds that confidence, you know, that confidence starts to turn over into successes and that builds more confidence. Now, I, I did the same thing with the cat caller there from Venezuela, man, Whoop. you know, <laughs> when, when everybody else, uh, the thing is, is I expect people around me to grow. If they're not growing, then I am sucking as a coach. I'm not teaching. And there's a lot of people that are like, okay, I'm just keep pointing the way. And, you know, you have to be I'm receptive gonna... to that growth too, Joe. Yeah. You have to be receptive to sure. that growth. You exactly. know? A lot of guys are real, you know, they're uh, intimidated by some of that pressure, right? So it takes a little while for them to lay in it. And then before you know it, man, they're off and running. They got them, a, a, you know, a diaphragm call. They're, you know, they're not worried about us making fun of them anymore. And uh, they're rocking and rolling. Look, one thing about it, if you're going to be in a group of guys, you better not wear your feelings on your sleeve because there's going to be a lot of shade thrown around, right? Oh, heck yeah, man. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's just because we love you. You know, we'll make you a little tougher. That's what I like the most about our team. (laughs) Help each other, coach each other, encourage each other, but be friggin' real. No doubt. Be honest, real, and and that's that's what it's about. And, 
you know, I'm not here to ruffle your panties, man. If you, if, if you're hurting your feelings, man, you just need to stop and really think about what's happening here. It, you know, one of the most pressured situations we were in this year uh, was when we had to stare down for over some odd minutes, you know, 11 minutes or whatever with that bull. And I'll never forget this. I hadn't drawn yet or anything, but I got Chav right behind me, Joe standing next to me with the camera and calling. We got Brendan over here on the, on the right side flanking us with the decoy. And I remember that bull staring us down, like staring a hole through us, man. And I just turned and I looked at you and you just smiled and you went, <laughs> that's it bro i mean i was like oh yeah hey he ain't oh, worried right I, and no. he, he's just he don't want to get caught or busted looking i just turn and look and joe's like uh-huh, and he points just like that just like this <laughs> I, I, that was a, at that point that was a dead bull yeah right man he knew point, what was man. coming next he, he just didn't know it yet you know he so uh and and look one one more comment there joe i think it's super important to just just be humble. And when you guys talked about being receptive, it's like, man, I'll be honest, man. Joe Joe can 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 be pretty harsh on on teaching you lessons, right? I mean, he yeah. I, we're out there and you know, you you learn a hard lesson and he'll tell you uh what you did wrong and he'll tell you why and and man, you would you'd you feel emotional after sure. that conversation with Joe. But guess what? Those type of conversations are the ones that that really get engraved in your brain and 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 prevent you from making that mistake again. Um and, and you have to be receptive to that stuff because if you get emotional and and you reject that feedback, then then you're not helping to your growth and you're not helping to the growth of the group either. Well, and you'll either quit. You'll either quit because you can't take that kind of pressure, mm-hmm. or you will rise above it and you will learn from it and you will be much better because of it. I, that I've, I can I, guarantee. You. There were times where yeah. I like, man. After the scolding, I went back to Joe. I was like, "Hey, Joe," kind of waited for Joe to kind of cool off a little bit. I was like, "Dude, I am so sorry, man. I did not mean to do that, man. I apologize, dude. I, if I would have known, you know." And, yeah. and you can tell Joe is like. Oh, no problem. It, it, he knew he had accomplished his goal of actually yeah. getting to my feelings and engraving sure. that in my brain. Sure. Right. Well, so, and, and there's levels, there's levels right. for that too. There, mm-hmm. there's situations where, um, there, you know, there's some things that you've got to make sure are definitely ingrained because they can put an animal in a bad situation. They could put a hunter in a bad situation. So those are things that you make sure that you do not mix your words and you're very plain about. And then you do that and you move on, you know, because that's what it's about. Life is about learning. You know, elk hunting is a, just a, a microcosm of life, man. And, mm. you know, I, I've never been one to berate and bring back and to harp on you know if something's done you say it and you move on from it you know I, I think as a team as a team one of the best things you can also do is look you know look around understand your level of experience know sure. where you fit in that team and what are the things that can make you uh you know what are the things that you can give to the team what are the things that you're good at that you can give and what are the things that you need to develop 
to complement the team. And I think Talk about a wrecking have, crew. Them two Venezuelan boys are a wrecking crew, dude. Yeah. You want something moved? You want a mountain turned over? You want to <laughs> hike out an elk up and down a mountain? Them boys, talk about bringing something to the group, right? The yes. love you guys have brought for the group is it's touching, man. And yes, it is. And and that's one thing that I was going to say too is, guys, not everybody needs to be a freaking quarterback either, man. Everybody Ooh. has a role. Everybody has something that they can bring special to the group. And uh, you know, I think that's exactly what Gilbert's harping on. You know, I I I <laughs> you know I love these guys, man, and it's because of their hearts, their passions. Uh, their honesty and what they bring. And, you know, I know exactly if something is <laughs> a mountain needs to be moved. I know I got some boys that are going to move it. All I got to do is point and say, guys, I need that mountain moved. And it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and at the same time, I can remember, uh, you know, I, I, I secretly was uh, sending lessons to Luis to help him with some of his calling there so he could, Gain in some confidence. Came out. <laughs> and, uh, Look, man, that's awesome. And, and we, got, uh, we got out in the woods, and we have elk working out in front of us. And I turned around. I said, Luis, start calling. He's like, me? Yeah. Now? <laughs> yeah. well, done that. Yeah. Talk about being stage frozen, man. Yeah. That was, I never had been afraid of speaking in public. And mm-hmm. that actually shut me down. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it, it, what I wanted again was, man, it's, it's like what you said, Gilbert. Sometimes it's, uh, it, it's not about me and what I'm doing. It's about, like you said, with your kids, it's about their growth. And, you know, I know he's not going to grow as a hunter if he doesn't start, you know, leading out in the front. And yeah. my goal is for you guys to call in elk for me. Yeah, man. Absolutely. When I'm hunting with you, Joe, like I've been able to hunt the last couple of years early, dude, man, I'm like stoked if I can get in on a deal, right? Like we did this year, stop those bulls, bring them back. Everybody's working on, you know, uh, helping one another, calling. I I feel more like a co-call in the whole nine yards because you and I had that herd worked up. You know, them boys didn't know come here from Sikkim when we got done with them. And then he had the, the, the special decoy in the group and it was a slam dunk, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's taken an evolution of me being able to sure. do that. Feeling and, confident, and I want, out the the front, you know? I want guys that I'm with to feel safe in that, to feel yeah. that they can do that. I want them to step out of their, uh, comfort zone and to do those things. That is my goal. Now we have Manano that's going to be next on the list because again, all you guys out there, you're only as strong as your weakest link, help coach, encourage, and be real. And one thing I want to tell to some of you quarterbacks out there as well, here's a real tough one. When you are, whether you're a guide somebody or whether you're that guy that's kind of leading the group and they're looking up to you to get things to happen is that, a lot of times, like myself, when you're a solo hunter, you hunt a certain way and, and you make decisions to make things happen. And then sometimes when we get with other people and, and they're not as comfortable or they don't move as good or they might not be able to get a hill 
get up a hill or get into an area, you start changing some of the decisions that you would normally make, right? And what I, what I want to tell you is this, you still don't change how you hunt to appease people around you, teach the people around you to hunt the way you hunt, okay? Make some of those same decisions and basically hunt like you're alone when it comes to certain decisions. Now, that doesn't mean you get to sprint up a friggin' mountain with somebody that can't do it right away, but you can start earlier and you can get into that area where you think those animals are going to be. Or you're going through the day and you notice that everybody else around you is sucking eggs, but you know that you need to get to a certain area and a lot of times we'll end up stopping because we're like, man, we're, you know, uh, these guys are going to hate this or this is going to suck for them. Well, there's some of that that you got to consider. But at the same time, you are hamstringing those boys. So you've got to let them know, look, y'all, man, I know this is hard. Let's get up to this point. We'll catch something to eat. We'll catch something to drink up there. But, man, we got to keep going, man. Any second things could change. And you got to just – and sometimes you don't even explain it to them. You just start walking <laughs> and, and let them start coming with you, man. Seen the back of them heels for a long way. <laughs> so uh, that's something I want to tell you is a lot of times there are things that we should do, but we don't do it because of uh, the people that we feel are, are, are around us and, and we worry about, we worry to the point that we kind of cripple our own selves. So you, you still got to make the best decisions possible. You can explain those decisions to them and, you know, uh, you know, you might end up having to do that hard. And on hump day, you might need to take an easy the next morning, go do an evening or afternoon. There's things you got to do. But I got news for you. Every year, that's going to get better because they're going to realize, God dang, we couldn't get up there. And, you know, because uh, I got to be in better shape. I got to do this, you know. So that's that's one thing that I, I want to put out there. Now, um, there's something that we really need to talk about for you guys too is some of the decisions that you guys got to communicate about as a group. How, you know, when you have a group, let's say you have six guys, how are you going to hunt? Are you going to scatter? Are you going to hunt in twos? Are you going to hunt in threes? Are you going to do a group of four and a group of two? That's things that you got to talk about. And I'm going to tell you this, uh, there's been a lot of times if I had a, a group of experienced guys that we would scatter on day one because we go in different directions and it's basically a hunt scout type session for that morning. We're looking for sign. We're looking for things that, you know, because things can change when you get into an area from the last time we've checked it out. So uh, you could do that. You could hunt in twos. Does that mean it only has to be in pairs? Heck no, man. We hunt in threes and fours and been very successful. Gilbert killed his bull last year with a group of four guys uh, out there. In fact, was it four or five, five of us? Five of us, right? Yeah, right? And, uh, you know, and, and that's another thing I want to bring up. You take Luis, and this was hard for Luis. And this is where I'm talking about how you don't change your decisions to suit other people's feelings. Last year, Luis killed early. He was the first one out of the group to kill. And what happened was we had... Uh, he he was done. We had a cameraman and we had everybody else. I was being the caller. Everybody else was hunting. So it was a situation where 
we could have brought Luis with us, but all we were doing is adding one more element to that group, which would have hurt our success. Now, if he was going to be a cameraman, we'd have got rid of somebody else, right? Not to mention but, Luis had a deer tag too. Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, he was still hunting, but sure. he had to hunt by himself because right. we were still hunting elk. And and that wasn't as much fun for the bro, right? Mm-hmm. And I get that. I understand that. But this guy had gotten his elk. He's on high cotton right now, so we're no trying to next man up. And uh, and and that had to be hard for him because you come back, we're laughing, doing this. And, and we tried to do some things to add some things into that to help him out. But, again, that's one of those things where we had to make some decisions that – in in my heart, I felt for the boy because I I wanted him to be with us all because sure. we all have a good time. And, right? and look, to be fair too, he's one of the best scouts there are at checking are. things out. Right, mm-hmm. so we knew if our play ran out where we were going to be, and he had some found as a whole nother. I mean, there's method to the madness at exactly. all. Exactly. And he actually came back with video of some elk in a different no, area. And, no, no. and that's what's so funny is the pressure was off of him and became a dig, uh, an elk magnet. Magnet. Right? Yeah. And yeah, that's no, how it happens. And, and look, everything you guys have said was 100%. Uh, I, I, was, I was definitely wanting to – it came a point where I was like, man, I just want to be with the boys. You know, right. I want to I <laughs> see their action. I want to see them – uh, shoot, I want to see, you know, be close to them when they take a shot at an elk, you know, um, would have done anything to be with Beto when he shot his elk too. Right. Yeah. And, uh, try chasing, try chasing two or three bulls in the soles of your boots. Come off, brother. You got to go back to camp <laughs> right. to go get another pair of boots. Note yeah, to but, self, failure point, bring an extra pair of boots. In <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, I think, you know, I think it was a win-win all around. And I think Joe's yeah. genius on coaching and managing the team came to flourish because it gave me an additional level of confidence exactly. uh, by me being out there exploring by myself, you know, looking for signs and serving them as a, as a, as a scout in different areas to give them the information of potential elks and potential areas and what was going on. It made me feel a lot more comfortable in the woods over there. Um, you know, using all your tools, everything, using all my tools and being now completely dependent on myself, not just following somebody out there and just really understanding, okay, how is the wind blowing? You know, what area do I want to check? How do I want to get into that area so the wind is in my favor and, you know, I get the best opportunity to get close to animals? So, it, yes, it was uh, sweet and sour, right. uh, but at the same time, if it wasn't because of that, then I wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow because I also was calling, right? I also was using my call and just kind of had a little bit of freedom and and that that made me a bit more prepared potentially for next year to be able to help out the team even further. The best time to grow, dude, is to keep hunting after you've killed. In other words, learn and have encounters with animals. I think that's where a lot of people mess up is, you know, they're like, oh, I'm done. Well, not if you love to hunt, man. That's the best learning period, man, that that you get to 
be out there and do that. Yes. And uh, some other things as far as decisions, man, is that not only you got to figure out how you're going to hunt and you can mix that up and you can be successful with all those as long as you converse about those things. But another thing that you have to do is you, you got to make decisions on roles. Who's going to be the shooters? shooter or shooters all right you know because if you're doing uh if you're doing uh, a group of three are you going to have two shooters up front with one caller in the back are you going to have one shooter up front with two callers in the back <laughs> and there's there's ways that and strategies that we talk about for that um who's going to be the caller and remember this and this is a point i want to make to everybody that hunts in groups if I am the caller and I have you as the shooter up in front, your job is to shoot. My job is to call. I am the caller and only the caller calls. Now, there's going to be a time when that's different. And that's only going to be if you need to do something as a signal that you're moving up. Um, that's the only time. Or if you need to stop an animal. Yeah. You know, like that. You do not want to see an animal going one way and then you on the front of a setup start calling at that animal because now you've just let that bull peg you and you've made my job as a caller harder. Um, are you going to be a camera guy? Okay. Uh, somebody uh, at some point is going to have to step up their game and be a caller for the caller. And that's what we were talking about before. That's why it's important for everybody to do that. One shooter or two, if one, if you're doing one shooter, then I recommend some guys will say, Oh, I'm the shooter today. No, man, do, do a switch on encounters. That way you keep everybody involved in the game there, unless it's a situation where they're like, well, then I just want to be only the camera guy or only the caller. And I'm leaving my bow back because I know that if I have my bow, uh, it's going to change the thing I do, you know? Mm -hmm. So you got to be honest about it. You got to be real because I'm telling you, Joe Gillia is the frigging worst at it, man. I get in a frigging red zone. Yeah. And if, if that animal is coming by you, I'm going to give you a chance to take that animal if it's in there. But if that animal gets in where it's a clear shot, I am not going to wait for somebody else. I'm not going to go, oh, I wonder if they have the shot. Not if the shot is clear and it's mm -hmm. right in there. We're going to put one down because it don't matter who gets it down. I mean, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and, you know, but, for the past three or four seasons, Joe, I've been able to be the caller, you know, for mm -hmm. Chav and myself. And then had Brendan in the group this this year, had Trey right. with us last year or the year before. So it's been fantastic to be the quarterback and learn from one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, at the end of the day, you feel that pressure too when yes, you're sir. in there calling, right? And, you, and you're making it happen. And then you also feel the pressure when the guy's, you know, he's blown an opportunity or he passes or something like that. It's like, Ooh, man, we worked extremely hard for that. And we're going to pass or right. Ooh, man, you, you know, unfortunate incident we missed something or, or whatever it's a it, it very much you understand what your role is and for me it's so much easier just being the caller right and not having to worry about where I'm if I'm going to shoot or anything I do like having my bow with me 
but uh, I would much rather just be the caller than both at one time, right? Right. Because it can and, it can get in the way. And you got to have that conversation. You really yeah, got to have one hundred percent, man. You, you know, know, I mean, we learned so much this year. You know, having guys understand where they need to be. Bulls coming in oh. from the downwind side and and still walking right in on you, and nobody looking behind you. You know, what I mean, at the end of the day, you got to have those conversations. And see, I'm just the opposite, Gilbert, because as a guide. I've been in so many situations where I've had a bull standing in front of me at 20 yards with my guy right up there. And I'm going, why isn't he shooting? Why didn't you shoot? And they're like, well, there was a branch in the way or this was in the way. And I mean, Luis has been with me when that's happened on one of our hunts that they could, they were screened. So I put it down, you know, so a lot of times. Well, that's the beauty of our group. We all have tags. A lot of times he's got being with guys that are either tagged out or a guide or something like that right so um at at the end of the day you got to have that conversation we're really solid uh we're pretty close to where we should be stopping right now in our time but i know our listeners really look forward to our elk behavior database so guys we're going to go just a couple minutes here and we're going to hit we're going to hit that uh if you guys haven't listened before this is our ebd series we call it our elk behavior database. And this uh, the theme this time is going to be body language is what it's going to be. Uh, talking about when and how to move in on a bull, when and how to draw on a bull. You're going to catch on to this and when and how to stop a bull. And um, one of the, the things that I want to tell you is, is when I am stalking in on a bull, uh, there are certain things that I'm looking for. If that bull's head down and feeding in his tall grass, that's that's just pretty much a give me. Because if they're eating, they're covering the noise, they've got the grass going there, their head's moving. And I will tell you this, the best time to move in on an elk is when that elk is moving. If they are moving, everything around them is moving. Okay? So it helps you out. It's hard for them to pinpoint on something. Um, Watch for the head dip. And I'm going to do something here. If you guys, I know you guys listening aren't going to be able to see this, but um, if you want to see this, go to the end. We're right at about uh, an hour and 20 minutes. We're at uh, 80 minutes here, I believe. And if you go in on YouTube and check it out, you're going to be able to see this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a video with you. I mean, so, go ahead and give it to me, big gosh, boy. Man, so he's so the, close. The, yeah, this bull steps out. Now, this is what, I want you to see what he does. He, This is what I call a head dip. He he sees something in front of him. What he does is he goes uh-huh. down like he's starting Try to, to feed, to but at the same time, he's trying to see if something's moving. So he's doing uh-huh. what we call a head dip. He's watching me with that eye right there. He's not really eating. He's just yeah. doing that head dip. Look at his yeah. body. Wow, that's yeah. pretty impressive. I've never noticed that, Joe. See, Look at the I hair would, standing up on his back and his butt. Yeah. You know, he knows something's up. He's alert. His ears are back. Yeah. I mean, you, look how tense he was right there. Did you yes. see that jump? Okay. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, that's something I want to tell you guys. Now, he has come out, and he's looking. I'm standing in front of him. I, I have nothing in front of me right there at this point. Uh, I am literally standing in front of the jack pines with my cell phone up in front of me videotaping this guy. I mean, in the clear blue. And he's looking at me. He's like, he's not sure. And if you watch his body motion when he's doing things on this, this is where he comes in, and he's like, hmm. What? 
I, I, I'm just not sure. And so he's going to do that head dip right down here. He's not eating. He is watching me right now. And he's going to come up, and he's going to go down again. Now, if you don't think he's tense and you watch this on YouTube, you're going to see this guy just – I mean, I just barely do something, and he, like, does a real quick jump. He is so tense right now getting ready okay. to jump out. Okay? I would have fallen for it, Joe. That that the head dip is pretty telling. I I wouldn't have noticed until you pointed you it see out. That, see that oh, jump right there? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So he's at a point right now where he's like, you know what? Um, I'm not quite sure. I don't the smell it. Up. <laughs> and he's like, and you can't hear it here, but he bugles again. And the bugle guys, I I want to tell you what this bugle sounds like. It goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that's exactly how it sounds. It is right. the worst sounding bugle you will ever hear in your life. And uh, that's because uh, this guy has been bugling all night. For a, So for a lot of you guys um, that you think that your bugle sucks, well, there's elk out there that suck a, a lot more. So that's what I talk about when their head down is feeding. Watch for that head dip, okay? Yeah. When when a bull is looking away, watch the ears. Watch the ears because their ears will start to tell you what's going on. Um, if they can actually look like they're turned and they're walking away, and what they're doing is, I'm going to show you another bull right here. I'm going to share another one with you. And I know you guys are having a hard time. I think it'll be more solid oh, that's on good, man. And you're going to see this bull that I've called. He's coming up, and he's heard me up here uh, talking. And he's walking up on the ridge trying to get up on the level right here. Now, at this point, I'm relaxed watching this animal. I've got the wind in favor of me right now because the thermals have changed. Look at that. Look at the light down at the bottom. The grass is catching all the sun in this morning and everything's starting to change. You got breezes starting to happen and I have them in my favor. So right now life is good. This bull's only about 18 yards away from me at the time, if that. So as he starts to move now, I want you to watch as he starts to move. He's going to come out. Now he's looking. Ears are looking this way. He's looking for a bull. But now look when he feeds. Now there's a little bit of different here. Look at the ears now. This is one thing that I was trying to tell you. He did not keep this ear turned and pinned on me. That ears are looking forward, and he's actually going down sniffing the ground there. He is in a relaxed state right now. He is in search mode for another elk. He has no fear of another human being. He's just in search mode. Now, at this point, I wait till he clears. And boom, I do a short cow call. And now, boom, that's a dead bull right there. Now, when did I do my draw? I can tell you this. If I was one of you guys that had that 80% let off bow, I'm already drawn right here before he clears out. Okay? because I'm able to hold on that animal. Uh, with my bow, I'm going to show you exactly when I would draw. Not right there. Now I'm drawing. And I'm cow calling at the same time, 
or my favorite thing to do when I do that, I'm going to draw first before I cow call. If he catches the movement, he's going to freeze broadside just like that. If he doesn't catch my movement and he's still going, now I'm going to cow call. He's going to stop and I'm already popping on him. The other thing, if I want to draw and freeze him at the same time, I'm bugling as I'm drawing. And that animal is going to hear that bugle, turn and see that movement, and his mind is not going to register that as a human. He's going to see that movement and register that as another bull for a second, enough time for me to make that shot right there. And he's, he's locked in. Uh, same thing I did get with Gilbert's bull this year. So that when, when you're talking about things that you can do, I can move when he's moving. So when I see him coming here, I can draw when he's moving. If I have that 80%, at this point with my bow, I'm drawing right now because he's in the open, all right? If he hasn't stopped, I give the cow call just like I did just right here. Boom, dead bull right there. Okay. And Joe, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's so much information and so good. And it's so hard to grasp because, at the, you know, once you're out there and you are presented with the situation in front of that animal, like Gilbert says, you're probably going to forget <laughs> a lot of what you just said. So, but I think that watching the videos and just walking through the motions of when to do it and why, you know, how to do it, obviously it's going to come more natural the more you do it. But right. it also would help to kind of do a mental picture, a mental video in your head when you're practicing in your backyard with a diaphragm uh, in your mouth. And right. you can just probably imagine the situation and try to replicate the situations and just kind of practice doing that. That way, somehow it becomes some sort of a muscle memory that is something that you don't have to think through, but it comes out natural whenever you get the opportunity to actually do it. What life. I tell people to do, Luis, is, is when you're out in the woods, count coup on as many animals as you can. That's a good uh, If it's good a cow point, elk, yes. if it's a spike bull, count coup on that animal. Try to get in a situation Work on getting in close, work on drawing on that animal, count coup, and you'll get better and better at it. So you, excellent, excellent. I tell you, invariably this year when I hunted with Joe and Joe killed his bull, when Joe drew, I, I cow called <laughs> just to cover, mm -hmm. right? He drew, yeah, I cow called, bull stop, had no clue that Joe and I were even there. He just looking over us, you know, right. even the movement of Joe drawing, you know, of course he had the, the decoy with him and everything. But when I cow called, he just looked right at us like, man, what's up, you know? And when Joe cut loose and, and you know, the magic happened, he had no clue what where it came from, what happened. So he, he, you know, he kind of stammered off a little bit and then hey, cow called to him again. He come walking right back. And uh, that's when Joe blistered him uh, the second time. And, but we were, we cow called to him enough where he felt comfortable, you know, and he wasn't going to blow up. Reading their body language is key, man. Not shooting at a bull elk that's staring you down. Not shooting at a bull elk who's ready to roll at any second. Reading their body language is so key to closing the deal. Well, at that eight yards, I don't care what that bull does at that eight yards. There's <laughs> yeah, no, way no, no doubt. No, right. no doubt. But, but at, I'm at, talking about, you know, bulls within – 28 to yeah. 40, right? Yeah, right. It's very important. Right. And even out past 40, very right. important to read their body. Language. I want right. people to understand. inside of 20 yards, he's roached. Yeah. You know? I want people to understand that, 
Look, I've hunted with Joe and Beto for, for you know, more, yeah, Joe, four years, Beto, way more than that. And, and look, every time I spend out, uh, time out in the woods with them, I, I learn a lot. But today, you know, it, listening to the podcast is a learning experience for me. Like today, just watching those videos, listening to Joe explain the behavior of the elk, the ears, the eyes, the 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 head dive. I mean, that's yeah. stuff that I, you know, I've been out of the I woods, but I don't, you, you, you don't pick up until you, somebody actually points it out. I was like, wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. So I encourage everybody kind of, you know, actually see the videos and, and, and really listen to these advices because I come out a better hunter out of a podcast like this. I'm sure everybody will. Uh, Every well. deer type, antelope type uh, animal is going to give you that head bob. How many times have you seen a deer look down and look right back up at you, right? I mean, they are the king of that, trying to get you to move. And, and it's that it. thing you've they're seen it, but you don't realize that that's exactly what they're trying to do, right? I mean, yeah. now that that's that door is open, it's like, ha, that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All you got to do is remain vigilant. You know, they don't smell you. They hadn't seen you. They're, they're going to take some time to try and figure it out. And, man, look, they got the patience of Job to try and figure it out, right? Yeah. They can, I have had snot running down my nose, freezing <laughs> half to death, holding a draw for, you know, on a whitetail, they will stare you down, right? Stomp their foot at you, try to get you to move. I mean, it's uh, it's imperative to you for you to read their body language before you try and draw. Good stuff, Joe. Thanks, bro. Good stuff. I mean, those videos are going to be, that's high level elk hunting uh, content, right? I mean, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You're getting it from the master of disaster, the king of sting, <laughs> Joe Gillian. At the end of the day, oh, I'm taking man. Apollo Creed and giving it to Joe. <laughs> at the end of the day, that is high level stuff. And I can't tell you, you know, I hunted with Joe for 10 years, right? I have counted coup on a thousand elk right? I'm serious. Everyone that gets in my path, especially if I've got my bow, whether I'm going to harvest it or not, we're dragging back and we're going nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Gotcha. Right. Uh, I do that on whitetails all the time. I've been teaching my son how to bow hunt. And when the deer walks in, you know, he, he, dude, he has gotten so good at drawing on whitetails. Right. So if you can draw on a whitetail when they're in tight and not make any movement, that's stealthy, man. You know, it's getting it done. So it's all good. All right, bro. Man, fantastic content. Uh, Luis, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, yeah, us. man. Thank, thank you Thank you so guys much. for having me. I love it. I Like I said, I learned so much every time. Absolutely, guys. Again, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. You can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. Always remember, if you're one of our listeners and like your question aired on our show, just send us a question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. As we say every week, husbands, hug and kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace, y'all. Peace, peace. <laughs>